Monday, April 19th, Spencer Speaks Sports, hosted by Spencer Swoboda. And yeah, this weekend seemed kind of long for some reason. I don't know, longer than usual maybe, but even though it's the same time, whatever. Um, but yeah, the thing I want to start and talk about right away is Saturday night and the Celtics and the Warriors played 119 to 114. The Celtics win six in a row now. Jason Tatum puts up 44 points, 10 rebounds. Kemba Walker gives you 26. Marcus Smart, 16 points, nine rebounds. All that to stop Steph Curry from scoring 47 points in that game. And here's just an amazing stat that i have in regarding uh yeah regarding steph curry here and this is the most games in nba history with 10 plus three pointers made in yeah like i said single game steph curry 20 games in his career with 10 plus three pointers made the next best player is clay thompson who right now is is injured and out for the season for the warriors but he's the next best guy with five of those games Steph Curry this season alone, out of those 20, five of them have come this season. So then after that, you have James Harden has three in his career. Damian Lillard has three. J.R. Smith has three, which is, I guess, a little surprising that J.R. Smith has three. But then just last week alone, Steph Curry had three 10-plus three-point field goal made games. So that just tells you how good Curry is right now. I think he's averaging just under 40 a game in in this particular stretch. I believe, uh, gosh, what was it, the last 10 games or something like that? So, uh, yeah, it's just insane what he's doing. But let me get back to the Celtics because they played without Jalen Brown and without Robert Williams, a key addition, and I think this could be a key addition for a while. This isn't just a short-term thing. It's Jabari Parker, who was the former number two overall pick in 2014. He actually got 11 points last night, last night, Saturday night, and had four rebounds as well. And yeah, I really think he can get by the initial deal. I think the Celtics are a good fit. Brad Stevens is going to utilize him well to where he's going to look more like, well, he's he's not, I don't think he's going to be looking like a number two overall pick. Um, but he'll be closer to that than he will being a bust in the league. I think I saw a tweet saying he had more points with the Celtics, 11 points on Saturday than he did with the Sacramento Kings the entire season. So you can tell right away that he's being used much more and, and much uh, better with the Celtics than he was with the Kings. Uh, and and so I think Brad Stevens is seeing the importance he has. I mean, it's probably a reason why he signed a two-year deal with the team. So, so I, I, I look for that to be for Parker to have a bigger impact than you might think he will have on the Celtics. And I mean, they play the Bulls tonight at like seven thirty. The Bulls team without Zach Levine, so hopefully they make it seven under those circumstances. I guess we'll have to find out. A team that's also won six in a row um, currently is the New York Knicks, surprisingly, and they. I mean, it's been a it's been a decent amount of time. Uh, 2014 is the last time they won six straight, and uh, Julius Randle is playing very good. I think he had like 30 points, uh, 
10 assists, maybe five rebounds or, or, um, 10 assists and, or, um, sorry, uh, well, I'm screwing this up big time, five assists, 10 rebounds. There we go. Uh, whatever the opposite was that I was trying to say. And, uh, but anyway, Julius Randall has been playing great for the Knicks. He's definitely their team MVP. And it's, it's kind of funny because the difference between a Celtics win streak currently and a Knicks win streak currently amongst the fans is that uh, the Celtics is more of an expected thing. Obviously, we still uh, get excited and, and, and ride this uh, wave of this momentum. Um, but I think that the Knicks are going to be celebrating a six-game win streak more because um, I don't think – I don't know. I mean, obviously, you have fans that are very optimistic, but uh, I don't think a lot were thinking um, that they would be celebrating like this and and having and actually experiencing a six game win streak that brings them back to the good times of the 1990s when the Knicks were were really good. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's very good, <laughs> I guess, to see Knicks fans happy. I mean. Uh, maybe not. Maybe I'm lying about that, but whatever. And another one of the teams in Boston here, the Boston Bruins, have won four straight. So they're bouncing back from their uh, slight COVID pause that was probably a little over a week. And I think the addition of Taylor Hall from the Sabres is, is paying off. I think Hall had two goals in his first two games, matching his season total with the Sabres, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, I, I think if, if if I'm comparing, say Taylor Hall and Jabari Parker with the the Celtic, I mean the Bruins and the Celtics, and, and their impact, I think the the expectation for Hall is obviously a little bit bigger since he is a former MVP. Um, but both of those players do have the ability to um, get these Boston teams to make a deep playoff run and and really be good contributors to that cause um so if 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 hall is is able to score goals on that second line and uh, jabari parker is able to have an impact off the bench uh bench heck he could be even starting you never really know that just really depends on um injuries and and hopefully we're at a point to where COVID doesn't really affect anything too much but um to go back to the bruins here i mean they beat the first place or, or the East Division first place team in the Washington Capitals uh, yesterday, six to three. It was a game of runs, pretty much. Bruins went up two nothing. Capitals uh, fought back and went up three two, and then the Bruins end up scoring four straight, uh, four on answer to end the game. Uh, and they do play the. I think there's still yeah, there's still a few games behind the other teams because of the COVID pause, but they do play the Sabers three times this week. And then they play them another two times at the end of the month. So hopefully they can get at least six or seven points out of those games. Um, now, if you win a game in hockey, you get two points. If there's an overtime loss, there's one. And obviously, if you lose, you don't get a single point towards your stand- standings. But if you're looking at the standings in the Eastern Conference um, in particular, you have the Capitals at 62 points with 46 games completed. You have the Islanders with 60 points, 45 games completed. Penguins, 59 points, 45 games completed. Then you have the Bruins in fourth place, which um, you would hope maybe they move up a little bit, but they're still likely going to have to play the Capitals, Islanders, 
Islanders or Penguins anyway in the in the first rounds of the playoffs there. Uh, but 56 points, 43 games. So they do have um, a couple games to gain some points back. And um, I mean, you do have the Rangers in fifth place there, 52 points through 45 games. Not as big of a, a concern, I think, uh, the Bruins are obviously looking forward. But um, yeah, if they can effectively um, get... I don't know, it's six, eight points out of those five games against the Sabres, who are is a very, um, yeah, not a really good team this season. Uh, then they should be really close to to maybe even having a shot of getting first place in the East um, by the time the playoffs start. But we'll have to see there. And then I think they also play the New Jersey Devils, who are the, uh, I think they're the second worst team in the East Division. So. Uh, there's opportunities to to be able to move up in the standings there and um, get out of that four spot uh, for sure. So that those are those are the two highlights right now. You have the, have the Celtics on a six game winning streak. Then you have the Bruins on a four game winning streak. A team that's not on a winning streak right now is the uh, the New York Yankees, and they are five and ten, the worst record in the American League, the second worst record in all of baseball. And, um, I mean, this is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. They've had, <laughs> this is just crazy to me. I, I was able to gather some stats and, and really look at just kind of how bad this is, but, um, yeah, they have the worst outright record, or this is the latest they've had the worst outright record in the American league since 1991. And, um, yeah, that was the last time they lost uh, 90 plus games in a season. So obviously they missed the playoffs that year. And then you have other things of, um, yeah, I mean, I just want to kind of highlight how bad the offense has been. And Garrett Cole, who was my AL Cy Young pick, he pitched pretty well against Tampa Bay uh, yesterday. And it's just, he just didn't really get the run support and kind of had a, um, a bad seventh inning to where he got pulled but um yeah so five and ten worst start since 1997 worst 15 game start since 1997 they lost the alds so they made the playoffs that year but didn't go too far and then you have um their on base plus slugging percentage is at like 642 right now that's their worst through 15 games since 1977 they missed the playoffs and then you have batting average, which is 210. That's the worst through 15 games since 1968. They also missed the playoffs that year. And then they have 139 strikeouts through 15 games. That is the worst uh, the franchise has ever seen. So, yeah, not good. And it's um, concerning, to say the least. But um, there's definitely a ton of games left. Uh on the other hand, you do have Boston, who is what? I mean, the Red Sox have one of the best records. I mean, they're first in the AL East, then they have one of the best records in the league. Then you have, obviously, Tampa Bay, who the Yankees can't figure out. They've won, like, um, or I'm sorry, they've lost, like, 18 of the last 23 games against the Tampa Bay Rays, 15 of the last 20. Uh what else um last they've lost the last seven series against the tampa bay rays it's not 
uh, thing that you want to see against any team. And then you also have the Blue Jays who are young, up-and-coming players there that look to, um, I mean, that they're going to be competitive. Uh, Baltimore, I don't really know. Um, I think they'll, um, they should be an opponent that the Yankees should have um, decent success against, you would think, that they need to um, in order to have any shot of um, making a playoff appearance. But, yeah, if you're looking at the trends and, and the stuff that I mentioned, the history is not in the favor of the Yankees right now. And But we there there's still a ton of games left, so hopefully things can get turned around. Um, and, I mean, Jay Bruce, who the Yankees signed, a veteran player the Yankees signed, he retired actually after the game. Well, he, he announced it before the game, but he retired after Sunday's game against the Rays. And it was probably a good call because um, he even cited his own poor play as, as a reason why he just decided to call it. And, yeah, a 118 batting average is not going to be uh, <laughs> getting you um, many places, especially on a team like the Yankees. Bruce saw his opportunity because Luke Voigt is currently out. And once Voigt was back, you know, you, Bruce's involvement in that offense and the, on the team probably was going to diminish a ton. So uh, probably a good call to uh, to call it uh, a career after 14 years. Um, and then finally, uh, I want to touch on the, the last of my teams that that played, and this was in the MLS, Major League Soccer, and the Revolution, New England Revolution, made their the season opening, season debut, and they played in Chicago, I believe it was. Not in Chicago. Yeah, in Chicago and not at Gillette. Um, and it was 2-2, 2-2 draw. And the revolution probably snuck away with with a draw because they did get a red card late and they were playing with a man down so i mean luckily they were able to prevent uh, another goal being scored from chicago and were able to get a point in their first game of the mls season all right so those is that's uh, the highlight of all my teams there celtics bruins yankees revolution The Dodgers and Padres is a rivalry that is going to last for a decent amount of years here just because of the talent on both teams. Um, I have mentioned that uh, this would be the next best rivalry, and I'm going to try to pull this sound just to uh, I'll play it right now. I think the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres rivalry is going to be unreal the next decade here i think it's going to be the best in sports not the yankees or or the um, red sox not the cubs or cardinals i think the dodgers and the padres the first series did not disappoint dodgers in the first game needed to score five runs in the 12th this went to extra innings and the dodgers scored five runs in the 12th to beat the padres 11 to 6 and then the next day, Saturday, you had an absolute pitching duel between Clayton Kershaw and Hugh Darvish. Dodgers win the game 2-0. And then on Sunday, you have the, Padre, the Padres score a late three runs in the eighth inning, and they win the game 5-2. to two. And you had some confrontations, some yelling back and forth. I think you had the benches clear um, at a certain point during this series. So... You got 16 games left of this. And in fact, you have a four-game series coming up starting on Thursday, last game on Sunday, of course. 
uh, yeah, this upcoming weekend. So that, that I think that there's going to be a lot of attention towards those games and and all the remaining games between these two teams because these teams could very well see each other in the playoffs um, when it comes um, September, well, October time. And uh, yeah, it's just what those teams gave us this weekend. It, it, it's um, it gets you excited, even if you're not a fan of these two teams. It's just good for for the sport in general. All right, so I want to. I guess it would be kind of starting a new segment here uh, called Country Club Corner. And this is where I highlight pretty much tennis and golf. And and that's about it. So uh, let's start in Monte Carlo with Stefano Sistipas, where he won his first ever ATP Masters 1000 title. Had a 6-3-6-3 victory over Andre Russian Andre Rublev in the finals match. And now Sistipas is at a career high of world number five while rublev is at a career high of world number seven and both of these players are um, set up to be in the top eight in the world for a while and this is going to be this could turn out to be a a pretty good rivalry in tennis as well uh so yeah so good for sispatas i think he was also the first greece player ever to win or greek player greece player wow greek player to ever win a masters 1000 title so good for Stefanos there. And in golf, Stuart Sink, 47 years old, wins the RBC Heritage Tournament. This is in South Carolina. And he now has two wins this season. And that's his career best for any season. He had two wins back in 2004 as well. He now has eight wins in his career. He was at 115 in the world prior to this tournament. He's now at 44 and is third. He is third in the FedEx Cup playoff standings, uh, and uh, he's amongst the world's best this season with those two victories. So uh, I think uh, if he he hadn't won or hadn't been very competitive in this tournament, uh, I think uh, a career outlook could have been different, uh, but I don't know for sure. But uh, yeah, I think this win has definitely helped. Stuart Sink's mentality of extending his career a few more years. And um, yeah, that was the country club corner. Um, I, I hope I said that right at first, but I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out when I go through this. All right, I want to talk racing and Max Verstappen of Team Red Bull for Formula One. He won the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix in Italy. And he beat out Lewis Hamilton. Well, it wasn't really close. It was by like 22 seconds. But anyway, um, but the bigger news in Formula One is that Miami is going to have a Grand Prix starting in 2022. I believe it's a 10-year deal. I don't know if it's going to replace the Circuit of Americas, um, the U.S. race that is currently held in, I think it's Dallas or no, Austin, Texas. Um that's every every year in the states i don't know if that's going to be added so there's going to be two races in the states i'm not exactly sure um but we'll find out uh soon uh so yeah so that was cool that another formula one race is being added to the states and 
the closest race that I would be able to see is in Montreal. So at some point, I'll look to do that. And then in IndyCar, you had Jimmy Johnson in his first ever race. Uh, and uh, this is a former seven-time champion in NASCAR. But yeah, he goes and, and decides to race in IndyCar and gets 19th out of 24, yeah, 24th place in, in, in Alabama there. So, you know, not terrible, I guess, but also not great. Um, so I don't know if this is going to kind of be where he is and the, the entire season or if he's able to um, keep improving and, and get better results. But I guess we'll have to find out. Uh, Alex Bowman, who now drives the 48 car for Team Hendrick in, in NASCAR, and that's that's Johnson's former car. Um, he won the NASCAR Cup Series at Richmond this weekend, and we now have nine races and eight different winners so parody keeps going for nascar and i really thought this was going to be a battle between denny hamlin and joey logano until kevin harvick's tire uh went flat and he spun out and that caused a caution and then bowman's car on the short run was was really good and that led him to pull away and and, and stay away to get the victory um, so there's the racing highlights there. So we got Miami, then we got Jimmy Johnson racing in the car, and then you have Alex Bowman, his replacement, winning at Richmond. I want to close with Jake Paul and Ben Askren, and this is one of these Paul brother frights that somehow brings in a lot of pay-per-view money or a surprising amount of pay-per-view money. Um, there's a lot of interest in this, a lot of celebrity attention around it as well. But um, yeah, Jake Paul knocked out Ben Askren, who is a former UFC fighter in the first round. And I'm not surprised by this because Ben Askren comes from a wrestling background. So he's really not a stand-up fighter, you know? Um before this, uh, Askren was probably best known for the five-second knockout um, that Jorge Masvidal put on him in his second-to-last UFC fight. And, um, yeah, I mean, this was the, this knockout didn't come that quick, but um, it was, yeah, still a first-round knockout. And, I, yeah, like I said, I expected that to happen. I expected uh, Jake Paul to win, and I think the betters did, too. I think Paul was actually a favorite, so... Yeah, whatever. I think, um, I mean, I'm never going to watch fights like I'm never going to pay money for fights like that. Um, but I mean, I, there's obviously plenty of people that did like in the millions uh, of, of people that, that watched that fight. So, um, yeah, do, do it, do whatever you want, I guess, but not for me. Um, all right, I'm done. We'll see you all on Wednesday. Um, then hopefully I have plenty to talk about.